Well, it didn't exactly live up to the glitz and glamour of Las Vegas, but a win's a win. 3-0 Vikings, 7-6. Let's get into it. You are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Locked on Vikings podcast, where we're always trying to learn something new. It's part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And thank you so much for those of you who do listen to the Locked on Vikings podcast every single day. I appreciate y'all, my every dayers. And for those of you who are new, what's up? My name is Luke Braun. Uh, I am your host of the Locked on Vikings podcast. You can find the Locked on Vikings podcast wherever you find your favorite shows, by the way, where whether it is an audio listening medium like Sirius XM, where you can also find live broadcasts of all Vikings games. You can also find this show on Amazon Fire and Roku if you just download the Locked on Minnesota Sports app or on YouTube. Thank you so much to the sponsor of today's episode, which is Prize Picks, the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Go to prizepicks.com slash locked on NFL and use code locked on NFL, all lowercase, for first deposit match up to $100. Um, so today's episode may look and sound a little different because I am in Vegas. I was at that absolute slop fest of a game. Um, a whole bunch, I got a lot, a bunch of you guys actually found me and came up and said hi and said that you listen to the show some everydayers met some of you guys very much appreciate you all love you all it was great to see people it was great to see an incredible contingent of vikings fans at this vikings game the uh projection from like ticketmaster data was like 54% there is no way that was just 54% vikings fans that had to be 2 to 1 vikings fans like at least uh some very loud skull chants going on but there were still a lot of Raiders fans. And I think like every third down, no matter who had the ball was, it, it got loudish in there. So f- the fans were into it as much as it was, you know, a zero zero game for the entire game. It felt like it was like it teetered on nothing. Like to, to recap this game, start to finish. If you missed it is very easy. There were no scores until like two minutes left in the game. with Greg Joseph field goal three to nothing. Exceptional way back. Vikings win. That was the recap. That's the game. <laughs> That's all that happened. Um, so it's very much appreciate uh, all of you guys feeling great right now. Uh, so thank you all for, for those of you who uh, said something. And uh, the Vegas crowd in general was very cool to be a part of the kind of Vegas experience. But also if the show uh, does get any audio glitches or anything, I apologize for that. I'm doing this on hotel Wi-Fi. That kind of thing might happen. We'll all get through it together. So let's just focus on the actual uh, game here. And the headline here, I mean, depends on how you want to approach this, right? The headline could be that the Vikings benched their quarterback. Josh Dobbs did not make it to the end of the game. He gets yanked. Nick Mullins comes in, leads a field goal drive. Vikings win. Shouldn't have been that easy. Shouldn't take just one field goal drive to win, but it did just take one field goal drive to win because of the other headline of this game, which is that the defense pitched a shutout. We have not seen the Vikings defense pitch an actual shutout since 2017. Since the Minneapolis miracle year, the peak Mike Zimmer defense pitching a shutout in Lambeau. By the way, both these shutouts on the road, these recent shutouts, uh, and both of them involving teams that had Devontae Adams on them. Interesting coincidence. <laughs> but 
yeah, the uh, the last one was Lambo Week 16, 2017, frigid Lambo game, uh, and it was a Brett Hundley game. So Brett Hundley and Aiden O'Connor got to be a backup quarterback for this to happen. Um, look, you can kind of do a glass half full, glass half empty thing with this with the with the defense pitching, and we we will talk about both things plenty. But I want to start with the defense because the defense brings me joy, and so I, I want to start there, uh, and in particular. Holy moly, the Ivan Pace game. Um, I don't know what kind of raucous was going on on the TV about it. I saw a lot of tweets, so I imagine TV was all over him. But my goodness, you could not miss this dude. Uh, 13 tackles had a sack at the end of the half, which actually that sack, there was a moment that really clued me in here um, to the kind of moment that Ivan Pace is having right now, but of course the biggest play of the game was at the end an interception that would ultimately be the game sealer. There was a, like a three-run pooch punt weird thing that happened that ended up in a Hail Mary attempt that was never going to, like one of those weird lateral things that will never in a million years convert. Um, so that interception, I'll say functionally, ended the game. It gave, gave brought you to 99.9 win percentage, like whatever. Um... And some interesting gamesmanship at the end with that weird pooch punt thing. So there's a, a lot to talk about, not to mention all of the injuries. We'll get into that. We'll get into the QB change. But defensively, there's so much cool stuff that went on. Uh, and and I can't like rattle it off for all right now. But the coolest thing to me was the way that they approached the run game. So the Vikings basically lived in their 3-4 under front. Um, BT dubs, by the way, go to patreon.com slash Luke Brown NFL and watch the Brian Flores defense thing. There is no better time right now than after they are coming off of a shutout to learn about the ins and outs of the Flores defense. But they basically, they hybrid four, three and three, four. They play both. They were a three, four team today. They basically go into every game and decide, are we a three, four team today or a, or a four, three team today? And then they'll work in a whole bunch of their, I, I called it a Ragnar front. I don't think that's the right word. They probably have some internal word for it. But that's essentially five over. You got like a, a nose tackle dead up on the center and then four other guys on the line, one each accounting for each offensive lineman to try to force them into man-to-man pass protection. They decided to go in the 3-4 underworld today, which which will also force man-to-man pass protection like a lot uh, and really discourage protection slides. So you get a lot of man-to-man stuff and then any blitzers that come in theoretically should have pretty open lanes. Uh, so you can get a lot of pressure, get a lot of sacks, and that happened. There are a lot of sacks on the other side of the field too. Um We'll get there. Don't worry. But I, I the the flattening out of that front, that three, four under front just did so well. What this is going to look like. So I, I was talking to my dad who I, I watched the game with. Uh, he was looking up stats after the game and he was like, wow, Daniel Hunter, two tackles. That's it. No sacks, no TFLs, no big force fumbles, no nothing. The only force fumble happened was Josh Metellus continues to be just the dude that shows up in the biggest moment all the time. Um, but two tackles for Daniel Hunter. Oh, a quiet game for Daniel Hunter. But as we were sitting there watching, we were like, oh my God, Daniel Hunter is dominating in this game. And it's just never his tackle. But in the setting of the edge from that 3-4 under front, where one of those edges will be outside the tight end and the other one will be outside the weak side tackle, right? So what the Raiders wanted to do a lot, and I'll have to check this in terms of frequency because this is just anecdotal from like what my eye, my naked eye saw from the the, the nosebleeds, right? But um, it seemed like the Raiders wanted to run weak a lot. They wanted to run where there's fewer people, right? 
and they wanted to run weak and then understand that Josh Jacobs likes to cut back a lot and he really wanted to cut back a lot. So you you aim that run toward the weak side where there's maybe just less going on, right? And if it's not there, your cutback lane has a lead blocker in it, which is the tight end, right? Because you're cutting back to the strong sides. That's their game plan, right? Seems fine. Um, but setting the edge on that weak side very often was Daniil Hunter. And Daniil Hunter set that edge in a dominant fact. This was dominant edge setting tape. If you are a defensive line guy and you're an edge rusher guy and you want to see what the what separates the men from the boys is edge rushers, you know, like everybody's got a twitchy get off and everybody can do a, a, a cool spin move that takes four seconds, but you want to really play for the big bucks in the NFL. You got to set the edge. And that is what Daniel Hunter did. And a whole bunch of stuff cut back to really, really disciplined uh, work in the cutback lanes from guys like Jonathan Bullard and uh, DJ Wanham and, and Harrison Phillips and all that stuff, really disciplined work on the other side. And all those guys racked up all the stats. And Daniel Hunter had a very, very workmanlike game where that defense really still ran through him. And it's just that everybody else got to get the stats. Really, really happy with what Daniel Hunter did in that game. Um, I would even positive this would be a scorching take. I don't care. I'm in Vegas. Let's, let's roll the dice with a take. Uh, Daniel Hunter was as dominant as Ivan Pace in this game. Uh, and and boy, did Ivan Pace had a game have a game. By the way, he was those thirteen tackles. A lot of those were Josh Jacobs cutting it back, and then Ivan Pace being responsible for something like what it'll, it'll be a lot of the time, especially in fronts with five guys on the line of scrimmage. Your off ball linebacker is gonna, and a lot of times there's only one guy. Sometimes it's him and die, but sometimes it's just one guy. He'll be responsible for like one of the a gaps and the backside c gap. So he's responsible for the cutback, right? Right. So either he's he's plugging in an A gap and getting a tackle that way, uh, or he's playing that cutback. And when Josh Jacobs tries to cut back, it's Josh Jacobs one v one on Ivan Pace, and and that's what happens a lot of times. It's the linebacker, the penny linebacker, just sort of in a. Uh, a, a big chess match, a big game of cat and mouse with the running back, and that running back is Josh freaking Jacobs. And I'm gonna be honest, Ivan Pace kicked his butt. So. You can hang your hat on that. Um, that said, kind of a bloodbath of a game. A lot of dudes went down. I'll give you what I know at least about the injuries from pressers and stuff. What's out there so far. We'll, we'll round all that stuff up and kind of talk about what comes next. And then we'll go over the big uh, kahuna, which is, holy crap, the Vikings actually changed quarterbacks and they kind of won them the game. <laughs> so we have a whole bunch of stuff to go into next. Today's episode is brought to you by DoorDash, which is a very, very clutch move, especially when you are in the midst of a game that is one of these zero-zero, like knife's edge kind of things, where the first play that happens, every single play can be the one that wins the game because it only is going to take one play to win the game. <laughs> uh, that is the last time you ever want to go out into uh you know into the kitchen and cook something or go out and pick up take it just get that thing delivered right to your door that is what DoorDash is for and it's absolutely clutch especially when you have to order something uh that and you don't want to just get one of the normal they have all the normal chains of course but eh, maybe you want something a little more local right and it's a great way to find those local joints there's a korean barbecue joint that i just got earlier in the week that was absolutely fantastic i'm going back to that one all the time and they're on doordash so i can get it without even leaving the couch it's beautiful and right now 
Locked On Vikings listeners can get 50% off up to a $10 value when you spend $15 or more on your first order when you download the DoorDash app and enter code LOCKED23. Subject to change, terms apply. That's code LOCKED23 for 50% off up to a $10 value on your first order when you download the DoorDash app and spend $15 or more. So once again, that is subject to change and terms apply. Thanks again for making Lockdown Vikings your first listen of the day. For your second listen, if you're watching this on YouTube, it should redirect you directly to the Locked On Minnesota Sports 24-7 live stream of all Locked On Minnesota shows. Uh, but if not, go check that out on YouTube. Also, again, check out patreon.com slash NFL. I work for like an entire week to uh, pare down the Brian Flores defense into something that people can understand. <laughs> and, uh, I would really appreciate it if, if I could get some support there. But you don't actually have to join to watch it. It's free to watch, but I, of course I would appreciate your support. Let's move on to some of the injury stuff that happened in this game. Uh, a ton of injuries on both sides of the ball. You had Amik Robinson doing a concussion protocol, and Max Crosby left. He he was playing through a knee thing. He was in and out. But on the Vikings side, obviously the big story is Justin Jefferson, who comes back, catches two two passes, takes a nasty hit from Viking legend Marcus Epps, and um, and it, it looks like he gets him right in the back, and he gets a chest injury. Um. They they label it as a chest injury, but he was grabbing at his back. So I'm going to guess there was a concern for like internal bleeding, basically. And they sent him to the hospital. He get, He's back before the game ends, it sounds like. like. He's in the locker room by the time the media gets there. So it was very much a let's get him to the hospital. Let's check him out. Let's make things, sure things are okay. But he's back in the locker room. He's traveling home with the team. And all of the, the uh, talk from Jefferson himself in the locker room and from coaches after the game is they are optimistic that he will be able to play on a short week. It's a Saturday game in Cincinnati. So they got to go on the road again and play in Cincinnati. This is the worst road trip of the game, like distance wise, because they got to go all the way to Nevada and then back into the Eastern time zone, which is Ohio, right? They're Eastern time zone over there, right? Um, either way, they, like that's kind of crossing over to the other side. So it's, it's a tough week, but there is optimism that he will be available for that game uh, in that, which is, this sucks, right? Like he has his hamstring injuries finally through that. Now he's got a totally separate unrelated thing from a huge hit over the middle on a ball. I'm sure people are screaming this, uh, on a, we'll call it difficult catch <laughs> a little bit of a hospital ball. And that's what Dobbs has been doing. I'll, I'll rant about him a lot later, but Dobbs's passes the last three games, really. I mean, all, all of these games, they've all been behind receivers and low and, and, and not low, uh, high, slow, and late. Slow, late, high. That's going to make for a lot of hospital. That's going to make for a lot of, of, of bringing defenders back into plays, and it's going to make all the catches a lot more difficult, and the offense just could not get going. Um, elsewhere on the offense, you had a couple of, of sprained ankles, it looked like, or it's, it, it is what they said afterwards. The Brian O'Neill injury, Brian O'Neill went out for the game with a sprained ankle. From where I was sitting, which was pretty far away, <laughs> looked worse than that. Uh, it was, I was like very much fearing an Achilles. So when I looked at my phone and I saw sprained ankle, I was very relieved. Um, same injury for Alexander Madison. So we had David Questenberry in there. We had Ty Chandler splitting reps with Kenny Wong. Kenny Wong who gets one carry. It's a disaster. It looked like he read it out pretty slow, but I, I wasn't looking. I didn't get that good of a look at it. Uh, so grain of salt there. And then they, they were given CJ ham carries like they, they're down to it. 
at these positions. They had one offensive lineman that was dressed and not in the game by the end of it because Ed Ingram also didn't play this game. He had a hip injury. He was inactive. So they had Blake Brandell at right guard, David Questenberry at right tackle going up against Max Crosby. And I'm pretty sure they chipped it every they, they chipped every play on that one once Questenberry was in. They let Brian O'Neill go 1v1 on Max Crosby a little bit. And Crosby did get two sacks on him. Um, so maybe they should have given him more help. But once Questenberry was in, yeah, we're chipping you all day. And Chandler did a great job with that. Um, Chandler, I thought, had a pretty nice game. And I thought Madison was having a, an excellent game before he went down with an ankle injury. So I, the run game worked really well. They did a great job running against that front. Um, kind of either reading, zone reading. They did do some zone read, although Dobbs never kept it. Um, and... Just some of their zone stuff, it just, it just worked. They did a good job, especially blocking on the left where they're healthy. Dalton Reisner did go out for a couple games as well, so there was that. Uh, and then at the end of the game, Jalen Naylor had a concussion. He had to come out of the game, so he'll be in concussion protocol now. So we're going to see Nikhil Harry, Lucky Jackson, Tristan Jackson, somebody there. Is Tristan Jackson even still in the building? He might have got poached by somebody. Somebody coming off that practice squad, right, is probably going to have to come up for this Cincinnati game. So um, there's they're they're down to it. So even coming off of the bye, they were a little bit healthier, but immediately just a bloodbath of injuries um, makes it really really difficult to move things. And they're losing guys that they rely on, right? The right tackle, the superstar receiver, right? And they're benching their quarterback in the middle of it too. So it was a lot. Kevin O'Connell said after the game, you know, hey, offense. I mean, he said like championship defense, right? Shut out phenomenal stuff and a lot of that started in the run and Ivan Pace what I talked about Daniel Hunter um the Tellus and that fumble right that was the best scoring opportunity the Raiders had that's all fantastic but when you look at the offense we don't have to be happy with the, I'm not happy with the offense right I mean I I had been kind of in a tempered way calling for Josh Dobbs to be benched after that Monday night game and I think this vindicates that, right? He probably should have, he was, he was bent probably five quarters too late is what I'm going to say, because he shouldn't have played three quarters in this one. He shouldn't have played the second half in the Chicago game, but Hey, better late than never. And you managed to win the game that you, that you played the wrong quarterback for three quarters in. So whatever, no harm, no foul. Right. Um, but when you got all of that turnover and Naylor's got to play when he didn't really think it was going to, you know, Brandon Powell's got to play a different one. O'Connell was talking about Jefferson going out after the game. And that's not just replacing him one-to-one because now Addison has to take the Jefferson job and KJ Osborne has to take the Addison job and Brandon Powell has to take the KJ job and Naylor has to take the Powell job. So all of those guys have to move up a spot. I don't know if that's necessarily the best way to construct your depth chart, but I'm not the NFL coach. So I won't, I won't, I won't push that anymore. Um, but it makes things a lot more difficult on all those receivers. So they all have to step up in a certain way. And the receivers did not have a good game, right? There were a lot of things that you could kind of argue are drops or maybe they're good DB plays. However you want to label them, they're not good plays, right? So the receivers, as much as I'm not happy with the quarterbacking in this game, the receivers didn't do them any favors, right? And losing JJ is a huge, huge contributor to that. But ultimately the quarterback has to work with what he has, right? You have to be able to make a meal with the ingredients that you were given. And one quarterback did that one didn't. And the, Nick Mullins came into this game. I think he had three possessions 
and he drove the down three three two real possessions he uh had one good play in the first possession and then it stalled out and then the second possession was the field goal drive that ended up winning the game the third possession was the like a run run pooch punt nonsense situational football thing so we can kind of ignore that one in terms of evaluating mullins but i don't think anybody's good i don't i think i'm on pretty safe ground <laughs> when i say nick mullins absolutely outplayed Josh Dobbs in this one and outplayed Aiden O'Connell. Nick Mullins was the best quarterback on the field here in Vegas in, I guess, what we will call a revenge game <laughs> uh, and ends up winning the game. And now we kind of got to talk about the quarterback situation in a little bit more depth. So I want to sort of discuss what I thought I saw from Josh Dobbs. What was his fault? What wasn't his fault? Why he got benched? Why I agree with that? And then we'll talk a little bit about what we saw from Nick Mullins, which wasn't much, but hey, it was enough. Today's episode of Locked On Vikings is brought to you by Prize Picks. Daily Fantasy Made Easy. It is the best way to play Daily Fantasy because it's not Daily Fantasy the way that you are partic- that that you're generally familiar with it. Um, it is more of a more than less than game. You pick two to six of your favorite players, and Prize Picks has a number. These numbers are like out there. Justin Jefferson's more than less than from Prize Picks was fifty five and a half receiving yards. He did go out of the game, so the less than did hit, but that was a lower number than you will find on any other Daily Fantasy site, I'm pretty sure. Uh, you can find stuff like that at Prize Picks. Just mash all of those up into uh, one big kind of winner, all or nothing thing, so you can get a payout, and then you can play from there so you don't have to put together a whole lineup and get like a kicker and a defense and all that's just it's like i got some takes i want to do the takes right we do prize picks prized picks every friday on this show i'm pretty bad at them so you can laugh at me come on in on fridays <laughs> you can go to prizepicks.com slash locked on nfl and you can get a first deposit match up to 100 dollars. it's 100 dollars at prizepicks.com slash locked on nfl Okay, so <laughs> the um, it's interesting how opportunities come. Uh, I, I want to go back to Ivan Pace for a second. There's a moment in this game that is fairly trivial. The, the Vikings are on defense at the end of the first half. The Raiders are attempting a sort of 27-second, 80 yards. Maybe we can get something stupid and call a timeout and kick a long field goal. And it doesn't work out, right? They, they uh, throw the last pass it it ends up kind of the play ends up kind of ending as the clock hits zero and the Raiders have one timeout and they're trying to call it and they don't get it off so both teams start going to the locker room and then the refs decide later wait 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 everyone come back they did get it off so we got one one second play left and they're gonna go and do some lateral crap something stupid right and they actually try to do like a drop back maybe they'll do a Hail Mary or something like go try to get a DPI or something right Ivan Pace comes in like a bat out of hell, gets the sack. And his celebration to me feels like a moment more than other celebrations. For the, I mean, we had uh, Metellus doing like a keg stand, which was awesome. But he does the door thing, which is a Max Crosby deal. It's a Daniel Hunter deal. A lot of edge rushers do this now where they like draw a door and then they'll kick it down. He draws the door and he unlocks it and he waves. And I think that's beautiful for him. Because 
he's broken his way in, right? He has unlocked his way into the NFL in a way that Josh Dobbs seemed to have in the last couple games. Uh, and and that that veneer has worn off entirely. I'm going to stick to the take that O'Connell was five quarters late to this and that it cost him a game. I'm glad it didn't cost him two because the difference between being two quarters late to it and five quarters late to it turned out to be trivial because he still won the next game. I'm happy about that. That's I'm relieved about that. But let's talk about what Josh Dobbs did. So one of the things that defenses have been all over on Dobbs, the Broncos figured this out, the Bears did it, the Raiders did it. Um, the Saints did not. They didn't get this one cracked yet. But I think that's by virtue of kind of being the first team to have to play Josh Dobbs in a, in a scheduled start, right? But when and the Falcons, I mean, shoot, that's you're winging it, right? But when you contain the C gaps, what I mean by that is if you're the edge rusher, you're Max Crosby or your Janarius Robinson, by the way. Remember him? He got a sack for the Raiders in this game, or whoever, right? Um, you have to rush to the outside of the offensive tackle. That's where the C gap is. So when you are an edge rusher and you're on the outside like that, if you park yourself in that gap, if you don't uh, lose your gap discipline, your lane discipline, right? If you stay where you're supposed to be and Dobbs tries to escape, when he feels any pressure, when he sees that flash of black, that black jersey, his instinct is not to come forward. It is to get outside. But to get outside, if those edge rushers are upfield, you have to go backwards and loop around it, right? And sometimes he did get that edge and he either, you know, ran, maybe tried to make a play, get out, get to the throwaway, that kind of thing. That can work out. But to start, you got to go backwards. That's You don't ever want to be going backwards. That's never going to be good pra- good process, right? And teams figured out that he had a bad habit of, of if he sees that the edge is contained, he will simply try to deepen himself until he can get around you, and that means he's just going to start running backwards. This was a disaster at the end of the Broncos game. It was a disaster all day in the, in the Bears game, and it continued to be a disaster here. That's part of it leads to sacks and stuff, right? He did a better job. Like he, I, I think that, that he had been told this because he did have some discipline where he went, I'm looking, I'm going to try to get it. No, I'm not going to break contain, right? I'm not going to try to get out of the pocket. I'm going to stay in this pocket. But I, th- his, his brain had still complete, like his, his eyes had completely come out of the read now. And he's got to kind of restart his process, his mental process of like parsing out what's going on down the field. And now this is just going to take forever. And he's going to take a sack anyways. Um, and so a lot of this, a couple of the sacks came that way as well. Um, but really at the crux of it for smart of a dude as Dobbs is rocket scientist and all that, I think the Vikings kind of had their Matt Patricia moment with Josh Dobbs. We're like, Oh, look at this dude. He's really good at a, at a discipline that kind of has nothing to do with football. And we can sort of talk, Dobbs even did this in a pressure. We can talk about how, well, you know, in, in academia and in learning things and parsing out math and geometry, kind of, you can, you can apply it. Rocket science isn't football. It's a different thing with that, that access is a different part of your brain. And I think we, we got a little wrapped up in that. And I, I as a fan, I'm allowed to do that. All right. And, and if you are listening to this and you're a fan too, you're allowed to get wrapped up in the moment. And then say like really dumb stuff about Josh. Like whatever you said in the Saints first half, Saints game first half when he was dealing about Josh Dobbs, that cannot be held against you in a court of law. Because you're a football, you're a fan, you're a layman. 
and you just get to be wrong about stuff that just doesn't then turn out three weeks later. That's, that's part of the fun. That's you're allowed to do that. I did that. I'm not sorry. Uh, but as the team, maybe don't get that wrapped up in the moment because what turned out to be a couple of cool plays in the Falcons game, one good half and one nondescript half in the saints game, and then two really catastrophically bad games. That's not a great resume. And to look at that over 14 days and say, yeah, we're still going to roll with this. And we're going to go in pistol like twice and then maybe do some zone reads. And that's our fix for the offense. I think that was a gross miscalculation by Kevin. I think he made a bad decision here. Um, And he went back on that decision just in time. So good for him. But uh, the zone, they did try some zone read stuff or it looked at least like zone read to me, which is what I wanted. I wanted to have some QB keeps. But the Raiders basically said, we're going to do the give all day and played it the way that the Vikings would play it when they would play like Justin Fields or any other read option quarterback. So Dobbs never actually kept it and ran. <laughs> um, he tried to keep it and run once, but it would have been the wrong read for one. And Ty Chandler knew that, so he didn't give the ball up. And it almost turned into a, to a fumbled snap and it turned into just like a bad run. That was it. So the zone read that they installed, the the QB running that they did try to install, the tweaks, quote unquote, that they made to the offense just didn't work. His timing was still slow. His his passes were late. They were high. They were hospital balls. They got literally got Justin Jefferson hospitalized (laughs) by making him go up and over the middle and take a huge hit from a safety crashing down like textbook hospital ball. Uh, It was bad quarterbacking any way you slice it it with the balls either were thrown late or they were thrown too slow so they had too much air under them so they arrived late whatever you want to blame something was wrong and yeah this is maybe something to talk about a little more because I'm, I'm getting tight on time here but when you have there's a play to kj osborne that i think about that i watched him run a curl route and stand there for two three beats right and be ready be wide open and the ball when the ball finally got there the db got to come up Come over the top, get his hand in there and break it up. And then I looked at my phone and I looked at what people were saying on Twitter. And they're like, gosh, another drop, another drop, another drop. And I'm going, I don't know, man. If that ball is remotely close to on time, I don't think that that's contestable at all. But it wasn't close to on time. The quarterback was late. He was late all day and he didn't really manage the pocket well and he didn't really read the, the, the plays out well. So it got pulled and Mullins came in. He read the plays out well. He he got the ball out just a scotch more quickly. Like I can think about this. There's a tipped pass from, I think it was Spillane, who gets his hand on a pass, and it tips directly to TJ Hawkinson. Such a game of inches moment where he does get a hand on it, and you get a little bit lucky, but that pass was just fast enough is maybe a way to look at that, where he could get a hand on it, but not enough to influence it enough, and it can still get to the receiver. So that was right on the border. A tick later, Josh Dobbs throws that one. It's a tick later and it's picked, right? So even if, you know, you could say, well, you know, he only got a tip instead of a pick. That's the the reward of being on time. And hey, sometimes tips land right. Um, that's the, the advantage of pu- putting Mullins in. 
and Mullins hits the corner route at the end of the game to KJ Osborne to convert a, a key third down. He hits another corner. I think corner maybe was an out to J- Jordan Addison right on the cusp of field goal range. He breaks a tackle. He gets the Vikings into the red zone and they kick a chip shot field goal. And that's what it took to win because the defense pitched a shutout. So the offense went through a bit of a moment here. What we do going forward, I'm going to keep calling for Mullins probably. I, I wouldn't mind if it were Jaron Hall, but I think that ship has sailed. Um, and I think this Josh Dobbs moment where we all got really enamored with what he did in that Falcons game and what he did in the Saints game, uh, th- that was fun. But now it's over, and let's go get somebody serious. That's where I'm at here. So um, if you want to ask me questions, I'll be back in my normal setup, be able to answer your questions. So hit hit me up at LukeBrownNFL or at LockedOnVikings on Twitter. Uh, Locked on Vikings podcast at gmail.com. You can leave a YouTube comment as well. Or if you got something longer, you can fill out the Google form, which is in the show notes. Ask me whatever you want. I'll answer it on Twitter Tuesday tomorrow. We'll go over small 22 and then uh, shift into Bengals mode. Love the Locked on Bengals guys. Really excited to talk to them. So I will see you guys all tomorrow. And as always, skull.